water, earth, fire, air. Long ago, the four nations lived together in harmony. Then, everything changed when the Rhythm Nation attacked. Hello and welcome to episode 74 of Rhythm Encounter, the RPG fan music podcast. I'm your host, Mike Salvato, and as you might guess, we're talking about elemental music today. Joining me on this is my co-host and narrator, Hilary Andriff. Hi, I'm poor substitute for Katara, but here I am. That's not true. Also with us today is Alana Higgs. Paul and Hillary do not go together, so I'm flabbergasted that you <laughs> use those two words about yourself. Oh, jeez. Thank you. <laughs> and we have Mike Solosi here as well. Elemental music, that well-known genre. That's, you know, category you can totally select on Spotify. I mean, you can look for Earth, Wind, and Fire, so... <laughs> yeah, you can. <laughs> Let's groove tonight. Yes, so this episode is just Earth, Wind, and Fire songs. <laughs> oh, I hope everyone's man. ready for yeah. that. I didn't pick e- any of those three. Oh. Cut out oh, you didn't! Oh, how ironic that I, I literally played Earth, Wind, and Fire music in my college marching band and didn't go with any of their three elements. I'm, I'm so ashamed. Well, I guess you can't join us today, so we'll see you later. <laughs> it's oh. only a fantasy. Maybe I can come back in September. <laughs> oh, jeez! Oh, wow. All right, so. Yes, uh, we mentioned this at the end of, I think, the last couple episodes that we've been trying to put together this elemental episode together for a while. Um, it took us a little while to figure out how we wanted to do it. I think I told a September joke in that and back then as well. <laughs> you probably did. But I think everyone came up with some good, uh, we had a good concept here. So um, we, we may have used Avatar The Last Airbender as a partial inspiration. Um, at least for some of the elements, but in our order, yeah, <laughs> song order, yeah. So that's that's going to be our first four songs, but then things are going to get weird. So I'm excited about all of this, actually. Mm-hmm. All right, so our first element today is water. So who is representing water? Uh, that's me. And for our water track of the episode, I went with the floating imperial city by uh, excuse me from Tales of the Abyss, uh, composed by Motoi Sakuraba. <gasps> water tribe. Okay. I think I'll try to make that my last outlet joke. (laughs) (laughs) Why? Let's just keep going. No, 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 no. We can transition into Captain Planet jokes afterwards. Oh, perfect. Yeah. From Asia, Ghee with the power of water. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Who has the power of Earth today? I have the power of Earth today. And my pick is amazingly the first pick we've ever had from this game on Rhythm Encounter. Uh, it is Few Paths Forbidden from the game formerly known as Seiken Densetsu 3, composed <laughs> by Hiroki Kikuta. All right, well, let's go listen to The Floating Imperial City and Few Paths Forbidden. Thank you. 
Yes. So that was uh, the Floating Imperial City from Tales of the Abyss. It's the uh, town music for Grand Kokma, which is uh, a city that you visit around the midpoint of the game, I guess. And uh, I, we were talking about this before recording, but I mentioned that uh, Tales of the Abyss is a hellscape and I would never actually want to live in that world. But Grand Kokma is such a nice city that maybe I wouldn't mind living there. Uh, it, it's really beautiful with sort of uh, Greco-Roman architecture and pillars and uh, flowing waterfalls and aqueducts that uh, really communicates sort of um, uh, peace and enlightenment to a degree, even though they, they don't really behave in such a manner all the time in the context of the game. But uh, but this song and the vibe of Grand Kokma uh, sort of just really communicates water and beauty to me in a way. Uh, it has these uh, cascading um, harp and strings with a sort of a per uh, persistent um, one single toned drum sound. That's just it, it, it's it's upbeat without being aggressive. And it uh, and it trades the melody between this, these, the different voices in a way that is just always sort of cool and interesting throughout and you know just just the way that the harp and strings and i think later on uh uh a, a wind instruments it, it it feels like waterfalls and babbling brooks in ways that i just love the whole time and i uh, i love tales of the abyss i land i love grand kokma i love the floating imperial city and it, it it did take me a little bit of research i'm pretty sure this is a matoi sakuraba track there are three or four composers that are credited with the original soundtrack of Tales of the Abyss, but most of it was Sakuraba, and I'm pretty sure this is one of his. Oh, it 100% is. Um, one of the um, one of the composers is uh, uh, from Bump of Chicken because they do like a lot of um, different versions of Karma, and he's in charge of all those. So, right, yeah, this is definitely one of Sakuraba's. It definitely sounds like him. Um, yeah, you hit on one of the main things that I had in my notes, which is that sort of like flowing sound. They've got a lot of glissandos and rooms going on especially with the harp to really kind of sound like flowing water um and i really do like that kind of consistent percussion because i feel like it, it provides like a steady underlying current that also kind of adds to that effect and yeah and it, it, it's it's not normal percussion either it's not it's not just a, a a consistent drum set or snare drum it feels like like bongos or a timbalom or something mm -hmm. like but it's just it, it, yeah. yeah but it feels um it, it, it feels very natural. It, it, it's yeah. like this is the kind of percussion that sort of that that just sort of like almost feels like someone playing on their lap rather than an elaborate setup or something. That just I, I don't exactly. know. Exactly. It, 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 it makes it makes the uh, it, it makes the whole song feel more uh, intimate or, or chamber rather than giant orchestra in, in a way that I just love. It does, and there's another little bit of percussion in there that almost sounds like a rain stick. I know it's not a rain stick, but you've got that sort of like rushy sound. It could I mean, be a rain stick. I've, 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 I've seen rain sticks used in uh, orchestras before. Yeah. I mean, it seems like it would be fitting, so why not? Let's say it is. There's another there's another little percussion instrument with like beads around a, a loop, kind of a spindle thing. It could also be that. I couldn't quite tell. But we'll, we'll say it sounds like a rain stick. <laughs> bead spindle instrument. Is no, that oh, a name? No, I, I know exactly what you mean. It, it, it almost I, looks like it almost looks like a, like a maraca with sort yes. of like a, with, with, with like a spool of wire around it. Right. Yeah. Um, oh wow. No, I've I I have played one of those and don't remember what it's called. <laughs> oh wow. Okay. Oops. It's 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 not a weirdo because that that that's the that's the wooden fish. Uh, it's, it's not a vibra slap because that's the beginning of Crazy Train. Um, but, but, but that's not important. But uh, but yeah, <laughs> th 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 this song uses just sort of interesting uh, chamber instrumentation. Uh, feels like water. Feels like flowing. I totally agree with you. Yeah. 
Okay, we're trying to find out what this instrument is now. Yep. Okay. Yeah, I can, I, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about the song then in the meantime. I, I can work on it. Don't worry. Okay. Um, anyway, I like the harp in this song. That is a harp, right? At least the thing that sounds oh. like the harp. It's yeah. a kabasa. Not, not, not the instrument you were saying. The beat. Yes, thing. yes. The beat thing is kabasa. Oh. Now I, I found that. Now you beat me to it by about five seconds, Hillary. <laughs> oh, very nice. But also, yes, he... it's similar to a shakere. Sure, a chain wrapped around a cylinder. Nice. Huh. Okay, you had me concerned there for a minute. I'm like, no, I, I think it's a harp. <laughs> No, the instrument you're talking about is a harp. Okay, all right. Yes. All right. I feel like I need to know more about certain instruments, but I, I thought I was right on that one. Um, yeah, I forgot where I was going with that. Anyway, I um, I might as well say this here because I this is something I think about a lot, and we have more. Um, I don't even know sure how to describe this, but you know, there's certain sounds we associate with different things in video games. Like we have, we expect water areas to sound a certain way or snow areas to sound a certain way. And I always think that's pretty interesting that we associate certain sounds with elements or atmospheres or something like that. Like, so for me, you know, water is like light and calming. And I think that's why this instrumentation and this style of music like really works for this area. Not that I've been to the area or played the game, but like I can, I get the vibe they're going for. It just sounds peaceful, and that comes through with the mm -hmm. instruments they use, like the harp and the thing. The kabasa. Yeah, that. The kabasa. <laughs> kabasa, not kielbasa. That's different. <laughs> that is delicious, but not an instrument. <laughs> yes. <It is. laughs> if you're creative enough. <laughs> oh. Um, anyway, Alana, go on. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, no, I was just going to like jump off of what you were saying, really. Um, it's kind of like peaceful party music is what I had. Um, it's very much a street party and I'm glad Solosi said Greco-Roman because I've played Tales of the Abyss and I might be playing something at the moment where there's a kind of Greco-Roman, very white, blue, watery town um, that you spend a lot of time in. And it reminded me very much of Grand Kokma in the same way with all the waterfalls and the fountains and everything like that. Um, but in particular, like, yeah, like you were saying, Mike, I, one of the key things I had is like, if there is one instrument I'm going to associate with water, it's the harp. Um, like you know Salusi funnily enough you picked Aura the Water Maiden which in many yeah. different arrangements uses a harp and it's mm -hmm. almost like the first song I think of when I think of that element so I think that very much is like ingrained that instrument with in, that in, element in the, pre in the previous episode I, I, I picked Aria the Water Maiden correct yeah Yes. Just to establish context. And wait, uh -huh. you're, are you playing The Forgotten City or something else? No, 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 no. You know what I'm playing? I'm playing oh. Walker. Are you playing? <laughs> oh, of course. Oh, I'm talking course, about yeah. Old Charlian. Oh, <laughs> okay. I, well, I, I don't know Endwalker, so I, like, I, I'm, like, I'm like, oh, The Forgotten City is, it takes place in a Greco-Roman water town. No, so no, Charlian, yep. That's, my, that's my bad. That's my bad. Yeah, isn't, that, uh, isn't that the game that has like the, the free trial up to level 60 or something like uh, that? Yeah, something uh, like that. No, 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 the no, Forgotten City is a former Skyrim mod, actually that is now available yeah. on Steam in the Epic Store. Okay, so the Forgotten City doesn't have a free trial and does not include the expansion Heavensward. Correct. Okay. Wow, okay. I got my games mixed up. Oh, damn it. But yeah, um, yeah, I love this track. And it's funny because, like, I don't want to pull in too much plot stuff, but, like, Slosey's about right. It's about halfway through the game that you end up in Grand Kokma, and up until this point, they're not the bad guys necessarily but like your character the main character is from the opposing country and there's a political war going on between the two countries and you go to Grand Kokma and you're probably thinking like oh it'll be really you know um 
you know how like empires that you're against always have like a town that's really I don't know dark and dingy and this is like the total opposite and like water is very much this like the harp and the water element are very dreamy and very light and very airy and it's a very happy place and you know the ruler is completely the most laid back person in the world and um yeah it's just a really light and gentle song and I really love it it's one of my favorites from Tales of the Abyss nice so yeah. that really really plays with your expectations mm-hmm. yeah, yeah Grand, Grand Kokma feels more like a good guy city than the starting city that you're in but it, it's a little bit difficult to find a good guy in Tales of the Abyss correct because like, from the mission excuse me from the beginning your mission is a little questionable and uh, again this it I think it starts out, there's a ceasefire between these two nations, but they're on the brink of breaking the ceasefire very, very shortly. And it's uh, it's uh, until the sort of world-shaping stakes appear, there really isn't a good guy or a bad guy. It, it, it's, a, it's a messy game story-wise uh, and, and very... Uh, very interesting and political in nature. Sometimes it devolves into anime nonsense. Sometimes it feels better than anime nonsense. But uh, it, Tales of the Abyss comes highly recommended. And uh, even though Grand Kokma feels like happy, benevolent water town, that's not the whole story here. Which, mm-hmm. I, I, again, is hard to understand without the context of playing the game. But is you know just 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 makes the entire package more intriguing for me. And plus, it's just Tales of the Abyss. Is just a good ass PS2 game or, or 3DS game. Uh, Mike, you should play it. <laughs> what, why are you singling me out here? <laughs> because you're the one that to have playing it. It's tradition at this point. I uh, feel yeah, like that's true. All right, and, and I definitely know Alana has because she and I podcasted it about podcasted about it years ago. Oh, that's we true. did. Yeah. Just going back really quickly to the idea of the harp and the certain instruments or certain types of sounds giving you a f- certain feeling like the like that element. I think this is the perfect episode to kind of start talking about musical timber, mm-hmm. which is exactly what you all are describing. It's the kind of individual tone or feel that an instrument has. And definitely we're going to be noticing some trends. So like with this water track and probably some other elements later on that are supposed to feel, you know, a little bit more pure, a little bit lighter, a little bit happier. Um, you're going to see instruments like piano, harp. Oh, I, I have I have some thoughts on instrumentation for the track we picked for air, but uh, we'll 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 get to that later. Nice. Uh, literally, my favorite instrument of all time. But uh, we'll, we'll again uh, we'll, let's talk. Let's let's get to Earth before air. Let's yes. do Earth before air. Yes. So uh, second dance, that's three and few baths forbidden. And I think to jump off of slightly what you were saying, Hillary, although take it to Kakuta directly, I don't think there's anything I associate more with Kakuta than good percussion. Mm -hmm. Like, an unusual percussion and unusual instruments as well. And I think this track from SD3 or Trials of Mana is really emblematic of a lot of sounds that I associate with Earth. Something very rhythmic, something very percussion heavy, usually some kind of wood instrument, some kind of drum potentially. Uh, This one's got a snare throughout it. It's got a lot of heavy bass throughout it as well. It really pushes the Super Nintendo sound chip right to the very limits and it's just a really, really cool track. So this plays in a couple of cave dungeons, but specifically the one I was thinking of is the dungeon where you get Gnome um, very early on in the game around the Dwarf Village. so yeah i think that's synth percussion and i think like the way that kakuta manages to get like really different pitches of instrument and so different so many different sounding like drum sounds like there's the snare there's the synth there's the something that sounds a bit like a bongo or a timpani um all throughout this track and there's something like 
I don't know, like a smacking sound throughout mm-hmm. as well. Like it's almost like there's a little bit of a flute in there as well. So again, this is quite a light, upbeat melody, despite it being like a dungeon theme. But it's kind of like early game dungeon music. Like there's something very, very fun about it. Um, but this flute and the drum together, they kind of like drive the melody of this song and like make it sound very upbeat. Um, but I think what a lot of people notice in this song in particular is like the bass that drives through from about 120 onwards. Um, it's very cool sounding when you play it on the Switch or the Super Famicom or wherever you play it. Um, it doesn't quite come through in a lot of the recorded versions, but like it makes it sound like there's something not sinister necessarily, but you know when you like go adventuring in caves and stuff like that, and there might be like a werewolf around the corner, or there might be a slime or something, and there's something very much like the earth is kind of grumbling and rumbling underneath you, and it's just those like early tentative steps of adventure in these like caves um but it it like another thing as well i suppose it sounds like the dwarves themselves might be playing the music in that cave like there's something very <laughs> immersive about it like and i love the way as well that it echoes as again so it's like it really feels like that music's coming from inside the game um so it just really captures like everything that i love about kakuta as a composer like the way that he uses these different instruments and the way that he manages to capture these real different like sound fonts on the sound chip of the super nintendo is just fabulous i think so yeah it's a really great one this is pretty late in the super nintendo's life cycle it's 1995 and uh it never came out uh worldwide until the remake in uh in uh, 2019 i guess or I, I should say that the collection in 2019 then the remake mm-hmm. in 2020 but uh you're right this really pushes the sound chip of the of the super famicom super nintendo and like like just like the i'm not sure what wind instrument it is but like when the when that flute like instrument comes in it 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 just feels a cut above what a similar wind sound from the super nintendo would have might have been earlier and and, uh, with the persistent percussion and then you get sort of a bass solo towards the end and the uh the the maybe strings, maybe brass going dung, 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 mm-hmm. dung, dung. It's like, it, like, all the different voices sound so good for 1995 Super Famicom on this song. And, uh, but, uh, but you're right. It's, it's that, um, uh, facsimile of a drum set with that, um, that those sort of heavy hits that maybe sound like a, 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 a big armed dwarf hitting something with a hammer that uh that that sort of add makes this uh this track crunch a little bit that makes it uh really yeah. sound like you're exploring a, a cave yeah it's it's super dope crunchy is a good word to describe it one other thing that that i noticed that i thought was really neat is that with that wind instrument there's sort of like a repeated melodic phrasing so despite the fact that you've got all these drums and everything going it kind of sounds steady which is something i associate with earth too and i really like the way kikuta did that just kind of that repeating phrases yeah i don't think it's a regular flute or shakuhachi or anything it feels almost like a really low pan flute but again it's it's it's, it's a very natural sounding wind instrument and that uh, that just sounds great on the on this old hardware Mm -hmm. yeah which i think pan would work best as well um what i was gonna say i've remembered is that you brought up the trials of banner remake and i did i did consider bringing that version but i think this captures the earth element way better the original um i really like the remakes version of this song but it's way the flute and the wind instruments are way more predominant and i think that kind of overshadows it a little bit um it sounds more like a water cave than just a 
cave thing, but yeah, they're both they're both really good. I, I like the reorchestrations in the remake as well, but I'm, uh, SD3 is one of my all-time favorite games, and I, I devoured the remake when it came out. I immediately played through it three times and got a platinum trophy. So wow. I'm, 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 I'm coming from a biased perspective. Don't, the, you can use a new game plus, so the second and third times were like 20% as much playtime. Um, but uh, I, I, I love this game, and this is a great track from this game. Uh, so yeah, I got nothing else to say. Yeah, I so percussion percussion is vital to earth is what i'm hearing yes <laughs> all right so does that mean we're ready to move on to our next oh i didn't know pairing? if you had more to say okay you- yeah we can move on i wrote some notes but you know I, that everyone on the show who you know all four of us anyway know that i had some uh some combination fevers last chills last night and i'm looking at my notes now and i'm like yeah those were written in the middle of a fever so i will <laughs> i will spare you my notes about the song being grounded and feeling down to earth and i'm just not going to go there so you you guys covered it all really well oh i don't know i feel would agree with that like it's not like it sounds like a hostile place so right no like no I'm no going. i just i just mentally start going into like too many earth puns and you know even oh. even in my feverish state, I was like, why don't you let me give you credit like i'm trying to give you a compliment <laughs> there and you're okay. just like i'm just trying to be funny i'm like come on all right alana how often do i let you give me a compliment never we never let each other give each other compliments exactly so. oh, no, 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 this whole panel is a compliment rejecting over a apologizing <laughs> bunch the chorus so. of rejected compliments <laughs> yeah but, but my yeah, but but Mike, I've got a fever, and the only prescription is hearing some of those fever dream notes of yours. Come on, don't leave me hanging. I mean, I pretty much just did. Like that was most of it. All it was just right, it was right. it was down to earth and slow and steady and solid as a rock. Even though I couldn't bring myself to say that. But yeah, yeah. He's, he's not trying to do a bunch of earth puns, but that they just kept sprouting from his mind. Hey, look, no reading my notes. He <laughs> must do that to you. Yeah. I don't know. My other notes are okay. I'm not sure what happened with that one. Um, <laughs> don't worry. Your reputation has not been soiled. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> wow. We still have a bunch of songs, so there's still time. Ha. Ha. Um, anyway. The next one's yours. Yes. Speaking of fevers. Um, <laughs> so the next element we're representing here is fire. And if I go off the uh, – Track name on this album, it is 96 dash colon rip. I'm going to call it the day theme from Caldros from Xenoblade Chronicles X. I'm not joking. Like, that's what it, yep. that's apparently the track. I, I, I have done track organization from that uh, soundtrack before for things like Music of the Year, and those track names get real weird. Oh, yeah. So mm-hmm. I, I, I wasn't shocked to see 96 dash colon rip. No. Nope. Yeah. So, yeah, after that, we finally have our our air song coming up. Yes, I'm very excited about it. It is probably my favorite version Mm -hmm. of Eternal Wind from Final Fantasy III. And it's the version from the um, Four Souls EP that came out on vinyl not too long ago. All right, let's go listen to 96-Rip and the Eternal Wind.
so I think there's a lot of ways to represent fire musically. Uh, one of my other potential picks here, and actually I need to give credit to Alana for both of these because I was, I had a moment where I was stumped on fire picks and you suggested two of them. Um, <laughs> the other one I was really close to going with was Barrel Volcano from Mario RPG. Uh-huh. Um, and even though I didn't pick it, I'm going to mention it because it goes along with my thing where, you know, fire can be represented different ways depending on like the vibe you're going for, the game is going for. So like Barrel Volcano has a steady, warm rhythm to it. But it still has this like bounciness and it's still a little happier, you know, even though you're in a volcano. Um, but that fits Mario RPG. Uh, Kaldros, or 96-rip, um, goes in the complete other direction. Like it's more, it has this more dire, you know, sound to it. Um, it's, uh, I think it leans in more towards like the potential, like the destructive nature that fire can be, you know, the harshness to it. And why did I type XD in that note? Um, <laughs> I think it's supposed to be tens. Yes, it can pose a danger that ten, that has to be taken seriously. Um, but yeah, I, I think this just the instrumentation here and like just the vibe of it really emphasizes that because especially if you if you've played the game like that area is just it's just all black and red and it's you know it's pretty dangerous. Um, I haven't played Xenoblade X in quite a while, but I recall it being one of the more dangerous areas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it's because um, it's one of the last ones you go to, isn't it? Yeah, Kaldorus is the last area yeah. you. Well, it, you can end up there accidentally. Like it's pro. I think it's probably been about the same amount of time I've played it since you played it as well. Um, I remember going into Kaldorus accidentally at like level thirty, maybe. Oh, yeah. and I was like, <laughs> oh no! But because it's Xenoblade, you have to get killed by something that's like level eighty. Like it's mandatory. Oh yeah, you have to. <laughs> you have to go and poke the beast and then just watch it one shot you. So uh-huh. I think yeah. I can get around this without it seeing yeah oh no i'll just walk straight into it it's not oh, even okay. <laughs> like right. trying to avoid it um but yeah uh, Coldress, um i mean xenoblade x has such a unique sound anyway and i think like one of the things that really stood out to me um because there's like a desert area as well called oblivia um which i was also like toying with the fire um mm-hmm. and that's like really allied and that, that is way more like normal desert music like there's something very fast paced and very drum percussion based again but this has got like a really crunchy bit crunch sound throughout like it's like someone's like slamming down on a drum very very loudly right and right. it it's like it starts off quite calm but escalates very quickly like it's just like these little tech techie sounds i don't really know how to describe them do you know what i mean like it's just a really slow beat and then it just really quickly escalates and gets louder and louder and louder um it really like emphasizes just how like I don't know it emphasizes kind of how hot that area is if that makes sense like mm-hmm. like it, that sound to me the like real crunchy sound that goes throughout the song sounds like a volcano erupting or like lava like shooting out or pulsing out of the ground um and it just really you said that it was like one of the most dangerous areas i do think there's something really sinister about this track like a lot of fire tracks seem to be very mm-hmm. melodic and very like warm and upbeat and or sometimes really like temple like a lot of fire temple music is very i mean it's temple music because it's going to sound like ancient but i'm thinking of because of course i'm thinking of Pirin from skies of arcadia like um very egyptian very like mm-hmm. indiana jones hidden treasure things like that but this is very much like you know this is an encapsulation of like it's volcanic so it's dangerous but also this is a volcanic area on a planet that humans have not inhabited yet they're in the process of inhabiting so it's like overrun with like monsters and creatures and unusual fauna and 
all sorts of phenomena that they're not used to. So it's like also just capturing the whole feel of Mira. Is that the name of the planet in Xenoblade X? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's just capturing this whole like hostile nature, not only of fire, but of that planet in general. Yeah, yeah. this is <laughs> this is not the Bolero of Fire. Um, it's not. <laughs> it is not. It's. I, I really like how they kind of build things up in this song because definitely it does have a slower start. And I kind of noticed how like it's very rhythm heavy at first. It almost starts similarly to what you'd expect from kind of an earth track, actually. Mm-hmm. But then it builds and then you've got some strings and it builds the intensity. And then it kind of cuts off near the middle to this industrial rhythm and they just fades out to just that for a little bit. And then you've got this really loud descending run of notes and then just a strong, loud melody. So it does kind of sound like explosions and like danger yeah i mean between the four of us we've probably done dozens of volcano dungeons and fire temples so we have the certain expectation of warmth or maybe of danger and this i think uh you know straddles closer to the danger side of the line um it's like almost a contrast to alana's pick from before uh that second intensity three track just has very real sounding drums for 1995 and this game, this game, I haven't played Xenoblade Chronicles X Cross, but uh, these are very deliberately electronic-sounding percussion. Like there's, <laughs> they, they went for uh, for very harsh, very off percussion that makes you on feel on edge a little bit. But it's a very yeah. powerful, very cool feeling. And I, I and like, but that sort of electronic sound does pervade a lot of the Xenoblade Chronicles Cross soundtrack. And uh, and again, th- this feels like a dangerous techno volcano (laughs) uh, background track even though I I don't know what Caldros is like because I I have not played a single second of Xenoblade Chronicles Cross I I never owned a Wii U uh, switch port when Um, but yeah yeah, but this is this is dope yeah there is lots of like not laboratories but like there's a lot of like metallic structures where they're trying to like siphon materials I think if I remember rightly and lots of brimstone and lots of lava so it's like extremely it's just not a place you want to be, basically. So I don't know how they're going to solve that problem. It, okay. it has not been adequately terraformed yet. But, not uh, quite. But, no, everywhere else, everywhere yeah. else is probably a little bit easier to work with, like Oblivia, Silvalum, the forest, and the area around <laughs> NLA. Like I can't believe I can't remember half the names, but like, yeah, um, it just—it's such a cool soundtrack, and I think the electronica sound is like such a Sawano. Um, kind of motif as well like a lot of the music that Sawano does for um, anime is very much like it plays on your expectations a little bit like even even like the forest music which I believe we've had on Rhythm before um, it's very electronic and it's very a mix of what you'd expect and what you wouldn't expect for that kind of area and this is does the same thing like I wouldn't put like electronica and percussion together to make a fire area like ever um so i mean he's working on another level obviously but yeah it's such a cool it's a cool area yeah i love how um this song sort of kind of fits some of those fire expectations into the sort of like industrial techno framework that runs throughout xenoblade x's soundtrack mm-hmm. it's really yeah. neat it's yeah. very very cool and i think like maybe one last thing um Fire and Earth do share a lot of similarities musically, I think. I think percussion is one of the main things that the two share. Um, So the fact that we managed to pick two picks, Mike, that do percussion very differently um, is very good. Um, But, like, I think as well, like, water and wind also do similar things. Like, you've got 
strings and flutes in both of these picks. Uh, maybe part of that is that water and wind communicate lushness and fertility and peace mm-hmm. in some way, while fire and earth communicate like rocky areas or caverns or harshness. But you know, the, the caverns are of different temperatures, maybe. But <laughs> but uh, th- I think there are connections between those elements that we sort of mentally connect. Uh, that mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah, I'm thinking as well of like Grandia's like elemental system, where if you use fire and earth magic together, That's you right. create eruption magic, and wind and water does. Mm-hmm. Oh God, does it do it's lightning? Ice. No, it's, it's ice, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's wind and fire is lightning, and earth and Thank water you. is is plant. There, there, there's there's the four cardinal elements, and then four. Uh, combined elements but it's it, it, it grandia 2 has a good system or then that's grandia 1 or both it is grandia it's one. both it's both, it's of both. Is that? Right. right i think yeah. it's both probably yeah, all three just... actually all four all four I, of them <laughs> maybe oh I, I i don't i haven't played enough extreme to remember but uh it, it's definitely the case for one and two yeah yes it's, it's, it's a, that's a good elemental learning system it, it rewards the grind a bit all right are we ready to talk about some air? <laughs> I'm ready to go up for I'm ready to go up for some air. <laughs> All yeah. right. Um, so yeah, about that marimba and harmonica, um, uh, those two instruments, like not exactly what I would expect, but they work so well in this in this song. And I've always really liked the melody. I, I think the original melody, just the way it ascends and descends, just really captures a nice kind of like flowing breeze sort of feel. Um, so to hear it with those instruments is even better um and yeah this this might be kind of a conventional choice but i could not i could not resist picking it because i think it really embodies some of the things we've already mentioned there is wind right there in the title exactly it's in the name um but just instrumentation wise melody wise um i love kind of the well the marimba part in this version with the constant kind of and the background i think that's such a nice Nice touch for a wind song, just because it is actually more of like a constant percussion, which is kind of interesting. This live version of that marimba counter melody is so awesome. I, yeah. I, I think I, I think from the beginning it was supposed to be marimba was the sound they're trying to capture mm-hmm. in 1989 or whatever. But this is such a perfect encapsulation of it. Makes me think of Legend of Zelda: Link's Awakening with the wind marimba that yep. you have to collect at some point. But like this wind marimba is so. Awesome. I think I think there is a electronic marimba sound sound in some Psyche Ninjutsu three tracks actually. But the, but f- focusing here, I, I love that counter melody. It complements the harmonica beautifully. The support from the what what is it drums, bass, guitar, and piano is mm-hmm. just a really really unique sextet that I would I, I want more songs with this kind of instrumentation. But it's the marimba. I mean, I, I was a percussionist in, in drum lines and, and chamber music for many years. I love the marimba. I uh, and it, 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 it like especially on a nice rosewood one like the the sound just feels it it, it it feels like it's coming directly from nature when you get a nice rich marimba tone and yeah, it it's does. uh and it, it's so good in this track I yeah, uh, I, because... I wasn't aware yeah I wasn't aware of this EP until you shared it with us Hillary <laughs> and I listened to the whole. 18 minutes Yay. of it multiple times before uh before coming on to record just because it's like this is oh man i, I never knew i wanted this yeah it, it was a nice surprise when i got it i think what last year 2020 i think it was 2020 something like that last year early this year yeah um i think the other thing is also worth discussing in this version in particular is like there's a little bit of kind of jazzy improv going on near the end <laughs> Yeah, I noted that down. I love that. Which is great. It doesn't feel out of place, which is kind of an interesting choice in a wind track. Because, you know, you sort of think of like wind shifting and changing directions. So I kind of 
looked at that as like I don't know a metaphor. And even even when the marimba stops doing its runs and then, and they switch to rolls to support the other instruments a little mm-hmm. bit, it, it it feels like 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 a beautiful breeze. Yep, it does. <laughs> Ah, oh, yeah, this is so good. I, I just can't get over the marimba. I really can't. <laughs> and it's funny because, like you say, like the changing shift, the shifting winds, and the way it changes like direction or like slows down or calms down. Like after that jazzy improv, the song does slow down. Mm-hmm. Like it's like it's like the Eternal Wind anyway is like a piece of world map music. It's absolutely like four kids going on an adventure to save the world kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And um, I feel like if anything's going to capture the element of wind perfectly, it's like the idea of flightiness and adventure and fun and calm and reflectiveness and things like that. And I think this song kind of encompasses this, this particular interpretation, I would say, perhaps um, encompasses it. Like, I just think it's so lovely it's something you like want to skip along to um and i think (laughs) i wrote this down in my like cheesy kind of way like you know like when you get those like opening anime cut scenes where somebody's standing on a cliffside in the woods blowing through their hair and it's like every single tales opening cutscene is is you're standing on a cliff and wind and the wind goes through your hair and then you see all six or eight of the playable characters and then you see the title is japan just made of windy cliffs i mean probably (laughs) no <laughs> but yeah, like this is this like this version in particular like reminds me of that. There's just something really like exciting about it. Um but I do really like it when the song slows down. It's like you know, wind in itself I gave it all of those like I characterized it a little bit, but also as well like as a tool for exploring wind is what people would have used you know you know people lick their finger and stick it up in the air to tell you what way the wind's blowing and you know the wind blows sails so you can go sailing you need it to navigate by water exactly yeah so it's just like this wind is the element of adventure and this song is absolutely that i think yeah, in, in, in final fantasy 5 i think bart's is the spirit of wind colon he is. west he is yeah. yeah that absolutely makes sense for him and the the only reason um ferris can navigate her ship is because she has a hydra buddy because there's no wind oh, at the beginning Sildra. of the game. Yeah, but I believe she's the spirit of fire, courage. And if we want to yes. you know, stick with stick with our elemental motifs here. Oh, I mean, again, absolutely makes sense for her. Uh, I, I haven't played Final Fantasy V in so long. Maybe maybe I should have signed up for those retro episodes. That's, that's on me, though. Yeah, I just really like how the song just has that little jazzy, unexpected, unexpected kind of improv. Then it just dies down to just quiet piano. And then it just picks right back up with the harmonica and the melody. And then it slows down. It's like a yeah. slow version of the melody to end the song. It's breeze, then calm, then more breeze. It's yep. uh, it, it the, the whole song. It feels windy. It's right there in the title. It uh, <laughs> I, it, it's maybe the most iconic song from Final Fantasy III. It's uh, and and this is a, a really incredible arrangement of it. I I still can't get over the fact that it took until episode seventy three of the show to have Final Fantasy three. Um, right. You know we we don't you know. If I have the choice, like we try to keep a variety going here. That's why we have our list of like what's been on the show and what hasn't. So normally I would have not said like we probably shouldn't have a song from the same game back to back. But given that three has been so weirdly unrepresented, um, I thought it was a good choice. I mean, like if you're we're going to bring Eternal Wind on at any point, like this is a good time to do it. Exactly. Yeah, and it's two different interpretations as well. So, yeah, exactly. So, well, you covered all the musical stuff better. Or really well, so um, I do like though, and I'm, I know we talk about this once in a while, but I I really like 
how versatile these songs still are. I mean, Final Fantasy III came out in, what, 1990? I mean... Either either 89 or 90, yeah. They're still making arrangements, not even counting fan arrangements, because of course those exist too, but that they're still doing new things with this music after all this time, and it's Mm -hmm. still... It's still fresh and it's still interesting. It's it's pretty incredible. Mm-hmm. Shadowbringer certainly brought a new meaning to Eternal Wind for me. But I, and I think this came up last episode, or it came up recently. I forgot who said it. Um, so let's see if it was you. Then I apologize. But um, I, I like this version. Some other ones that you know these songs because they were always meant to loop didn't actually have an ending to them. So I really like the way this one wraps up. It has a nice, like, mm-hmm. sense of finality to it. I think that might have been Jono in the previous episode. Mm-hmm. Okay. But, yeah, uh, sounds but, right. Yeah, but, but yeah, it, it's some, um, like, uh, games in, in the NES era were designed to have the, like, a 45 second loop, if not much longer. But, uh, the, the, like, modern arrangements making modern changes is, uh, it totally fits and is, is done really well a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. It is just the very <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I'm poorly imitating a harmonica. Thank you. I just thought of something. I To talk about kind of musical instrument timber, since we talked about percussion and how that lends kind of some depth and some mm-hmm. steadiness to or earth and fire tracks this the harmonica really kind of has that sort of whaley timber that kind of carries you away and the marimba adds such nice warmth it kind of feels like a warm breeze yeah mm-hmm. so i i enjoy it a lot summer breeze speaking of summer breezes moon <laughs> yeah i don't know um <laughs> wow luna winds eternal winds to luna winds there, that is that is one of the you know weather uh you can encounter on the moon in 14, by the way. So. Lunar winds? That's why I was thinking of it, because you were like, I have seen lunar winds on the moon in chat the other day. And I was like, ooh. <laughs> yep. F- FF3 has eternal wind, and FF4 has like, like moon whales, or lunar whale. Mm-hmm. Yes. 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 And Final does. Fantasy 14 has both of those things. It's true. Yep. Awesome. Um, anyway, yes. I, w- I should say, even though I said it last time, like the, the Four Souls album is very, very good. So... If you enjoyed this song, I would definitely recommend looking at the rest of the album or the EP, LP. It's an LP. LPs are longer. It's six tracks. So uh, usually LP, limited play, EP, extended play is, I don't know, six could be either of those. I'm not sure. Neither of those is wrong. Sure. The album. Yes. The right. Here we go. All right. So we've gotten through our traditional elements and now we're going to go a little bit weird. I'm really looking forward to the last block because Solosa is going to have to explain how his element is an <laughs> element, which is going to be fun. But before we get to that, um, Hillary has our first uh, element of the second half of the show. Yes, this is our moonlight block. So my element is moon. Um, and I have chosen movement five, moon, from a lovely little album called Seven Songs for Seventh Thaga. Um, and it's for cello and it's arranged by a wonderful cellist named... Sebastian Frege. That's how you pronounce it. Yeah. It might be Frey if he's Nordic, but I'm, I, I, I would not presume to guess. Yeah. I really love that your representation for Moon is a song literally, literally titled Moon. Moon. Yeah. That's perfect. I'm, I'm, I'm being literal. <laughs> it, it's a seven-song uh, album, and the seven runes in Seventh Saga are in the names of each of the tracks, and there is a Moon oh. rune in that game. So that, okay. that's, why, that's where it comes from. Perfect. Yes. 
So after that, I picked a song to represent the element of light, and I went with Flowers Blooming in the Church from Final Fantasy VII, although it's the Final Fantasy VII remake version, which I think is just really, really pretty. So, all right, let's go listen to Moon and Flowers Blooming in the Church. Thank you. 
Let's talk about this song because it's a really, really cool song. It's a combination of themes meant to evoke the moon and the moon room, like Celosi said, but it's also meant to mimic the style of a certain composer. Anyone have any guesses? Oh, I didn't pick up on this. I, I, I wish I had thought ahead of head like this, but I, no, I, I don't have a guess. Uh, Bella Bartok and his folk oh. melodies. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can hear it. I, as, a, as a fellow Hungarian, I'm embarrassed. <laughs> no need. It's okay. I, I read it in the liner notes. I'm not sure whether I would or would not have picked up on it, but it's got that really cool kind of melodic phrasing. It feels kind of like a folk dance. It also has distinct movements. You, you've got the really lovely kind of graceful beginning where the melody, I almost want to describe it as kind of like arching, and then it cuts to the more dramatic middle section, which is a lot more kind of percussive and gritty. Um, and I kind of likened it to like phases of the moon, which I thought was really cool. Like I could see the first one being kind of like a full or near full moon, just kind of pretty. And then the midsection maybe being a new moon or like clouds coming in, something like that. Um, but I just really liked it. And if you want to talk about musical timber, uh, I would argue that cello, my, I mean, I've played cello, probably my favorite instrument as far as timber is concerned. People usually describe it as sounding, you know, soulful, maybe a little sad rich um Mm -hmm. it just has some some overtones that are actually as far as instruments go a little bit closer to the human voice which is another reason like a lot of people like it timber wise Mm. interestingly um but yeah and last little comment before we get more into it is that this is sebastian playing the cello overlaying three different cello parts but he played all three yes yeah and in the video that you used to share it uh it is a live performance mm-hmm. of the of the overlaying cello with the sheet music scrolling at the bottom yeah giving mm-hmm. giving you like a giving you at least a feeling of um of like the technical input that went into this arrangement and and uh and his performance uh which is awesome um, and Hillary, the the adjective I would choose for the timbre of a cello is probably stately. Oh, nice! Yeah, and uh, and and this song is one of the, I, if I'm getting my tracks correct, this is I think one of the first track uh, songs you hear in Seventh Saga. It's the castle at the beginning, and um, uh, and it feels stately, like you're um like you're maybe walking through a hallway that's so that's so huge and ornate that you can't help but help but like look around at the walls as you walk mm-hmm. and uh and and it's it's beautifully suited to cello uh it's uh the again again the talent and ability of of the uh, of the arranger is really evident here and um yeah the, the the cello is a beautiful instrument and this is a beautiful arrangement of a I don't know if we've done many Seventh Saga songs uh, on the podcast before, but it's it's one of my sort of pet games on the on the Super Nintendo. Like whenever I find someone else that has played the damn thing, I get real excited. <laughs> yeah. Um, like this is a game that like I love talking about, but I don't recommend because it's it's the, the North American version's kind of broken. It's like maybe you should try to find a uh, a, a hack that uh, that adjusts to the Japanese difficulty level that where you know the the, the level scaling is more gentle. But, uh, but it's a really cool game and concept that felt ahead of its time, and the soundtrack is real solid. And yep. this is a uh, again, I, th- I think the original version is a little brassier 
Uh, but this cello version is fantastic. Mm-hmm, it is. And voices, I think, um, in terms of the cello, like I suppose that's why it's one of the key parts of a string quartet, which we've described all times on this show as like a conversation between four instruments or four musicians, right? And I think that's the impression I got from certainly the video. Um, all of those seven tracks on that album um, from an OC remix album, where um, and all of them have got an accompanying, accompanying video of Sebastian playing each of those songs. So like, if you're going to go and listen to the songs, then I'd recommend playing the video on as well because like then he's got a real artistry with the cello i think it's really beautiful and really calming to watch him play it because he's just he really understands the source material because like i've never played seventh saga i have no idea where this song plays i didn't think it played on the moon i was like does this play on the moon kind of thing um but i think if it's going to be called moon i think what i associate with the moon maybe this is because of some maybe negative connotations or stereotypes or something like that but like the moon to me is a mysterious and flighty kind of element and i'm thinking of like secret of mana's element of luna where like you've got some protected spells but you also have spells that drain so it does like both things and to me like the element of werewolves and vampires yeah in in secret of mana and in and trials of mana yeah it is yeah so there's something sinister about it and i think there are some like sinister regal tones but there's also some like really soothing warming bits throughout this as well like there's this real like conglomeration of different moods throughout that i think creates some thing very stately and very regal and very beautiful as well so i think if anything it captures the feeling of a mysterious area or dangerous area very well um but yeah as someone who has no idea of the context of this because i've never played this game before um it doesn't make me want to play it because i know Solosi and hillary you've <laughs> talked about it before but like it's certainly the album is great like i listened to a couple of tracks this morning and uh, it was really lovely um but yeah there's just something i think as well like if you think about obviously like i'm stretching this because seventh song is not set on the moon and i know this is to do with the moon rune but like if you think about being on the moon like on your own it's simultaneously very isolating but probably very beautiful as well like maybe that's just me maybe i just want to go to the moon myself i don't know <laughs> um but yeah there's it, it's just like a song of contrast that comes together to create something really gorgeous i think so yeah wonderful just one last bit on this game about and, and my somewhat conflicted feelings on it uh i think this is a great game to play for the first 45 minutes like it is totally <sighs> worth it to like seek it out uh, even if it's via less than legal means, just play the first hour or so just to get an idea of what it is and then never play it again. Because around the around the one third or one half mark, there is a really unfair uh, uh, sort of gameplay wall. Yep. And then, and then a, a really awful grind that follows it that I can't recommend. But like, b- because this is a game where at the very beginning you choose one of seven main characters, and then the, uh, a mysterious king named Lamil tells you to find the seven runes, and then it's sort of open ended from there. Uh, but like, s- seeing how the different characters are and the weird gameplay innovations this game has, like I think it's the first game with a with, with a mini map that I've ever even heard of. Uh, and you can and you can see encounters on the mini map. It's it's it's, it's an odd one. But uh, it, it gets way too broken with its challenge partway through. But I think because it has an interesting premise and really cool music and gameplay ideas, like like play the first hour of it maybe, but don't go beyond there. And uh, but I, that said, <laughs> this album is totally recommended, and this as a listen is fantastic. Just maybe don't play beyond the first sixty minutes of the actual seventh song. <laughs> it's quite an. Uh 
endorsement. <laughs> I, I mean, you want you want to talk about a series where I have some conflicted feelings on. Well, we can move on to the next block, but I think we should talk about your <laughs> your your light music first. Yes. That's true. I was also going to talk about the moon song if I can. Go ahead. It's your it's your podcast. <laughs> Just a little bit. Um, I don't actually I don't actually know of many cello only arrangements. I can't think of any others like right off the top of my head. So this was something... video game. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it's yeah, just no, a no, common no. thing yeah, people do. Yeah, we were. Yeah, I don't think he was referring to the Bach cello concertos or anything. <laughs> look, look. Okay, there's a collection of Bach cello sonatas that's really famous. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And they also covered Seven Saga music. You know, maybe we can send an email to Yo-Yo Ma and, and see what his, feelings, yeah. what, his, what his ideas are. Do it. Do a video game. Oh, yeah. I'm going to get right on that. Hello, yes. I, I, I run a site called RPG Fan. <laughs> we would like... I mean, you'd be surprised at some of the interesting projects he's done. Who I knows? Mean, maybe. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've heard his interviews on NPR. It seems like he has a very playful, yep. fun personality. He would, he, would, he would at least listen to it. All right. <laughs> All right, I'll get right on that. Um, so I think, um, I know this is moon and not nighttime, but, you know, whatever. The moon comes out at night. Um, I think nighttime is kind of like fire, at least to me, where you can represent it in lots of different ways. Um, so there's like, there's one direction you can go. You can go in more of a quiet reflection you know, style, you know, like standing on the moon. Um, I, I was going to mention actually a lot of when you were talking about that, like just hanging out on the moon and like isolation, like my, my desktop background right now is literally a screenshot of the moon. So I understand where you're coming from. Mm -hmm. um, but I think I, I think this one, instead of going that way, it goes kind of a different direction. So it goes with more like this broody, it's kind of broody, the, the mm -hmm. cello. It has this like deep, why did I write mode there? Um, but like it has this like just deep richness to it, and it feels like a good representation of like nighttime and and broodiness. So. Maybe you meant maybe you meant to write mood, but then the uh, you know the fever in your system was messing with you a little bit. No, no, no. I definitely did mean broody because I I had a whole joke about. No, I, I I said mood versus mode, not brood. Oh, I got gotcha, you, I got gotcha. you. Okay, no, yeah, the brood was intentional because I was gonna I had a whole joke about being a fan of Angel and a furrowed brow, but I, oh, I, okay. I decided. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was the fever talking, but uh, no, I liked it a lot. Um, I did not actually. Barry, David Boreanaz does have a fantastic smoldering gaze. It's oh, true. Yes. Absolutely mm -hmm. top tier. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, oh. Um, Speaking of cello, the angel theme song. Yay. Oh, there you go. Yes. Have you heard the extended version of that song? Because it's pretty interesting. <laughs> um, we did say Moon was the element of vampires and werewolves. That's it's true. true. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I like it. Um, I must be the only one here who didn't actually go and listen to the other songs on the album. So maybe we better put a link to that in the notes Ooh. with the videos. So yeah, yeah, it's really really nice. So um, yeah, last thing to wrap it up, I to go back to kind of like the folk folklore kind of folk musicy feel of this. I love that he did that with this piece in particular because the, there is definitely a lot of folklore, a lot of folk tales, a lot of myths about the moon. So I kind of appreciate that connection. Yeah, I like that. Anyway, speaking of folk tales. <laughs> well, no, you talked about David Boreanaz, who was Leon in Kingdom Hearts. And you know who else is in Kingdom Hearts? Aerith. Tifa. Oh. oh. Aerith was in it before Tifa. That's true. All right. That's good. That's See, I'm glad I mentioned that. Anyway, so can you believe that we've only had two songs from Final Fantasy VII Remake on here so far? 
And you've picked both of them as well. <laughs> I know, like it, and it's weird. Like I'm the one here. I'm the one who hasn't actually finished the game yet, but I do like the music. Yeah. I haven't finished the game. I keep picking music. I go to this concert. Like I should probably finish that game. Um, Alana and I have even podcasted about it over a year ago, and I think yeah. Alana finished the damn thing in like in five days or something crazy. Oh, yeah. I, I did. Yeah. At least I've started it, which is better more than I can say for Tales of the Abyss and everything else that you want me to play. <laughs> What? Have you beaten any of the games in this episode? Um, You've beaten Symphony of I've the be- Night. I've beaten Symphony of the Night. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. We, we can cut that out so that we save the Symphony of the Night surprise. Oh, no, I don't care. I mean, it's in the, it's in the track list anyway. Oh, fair. Um, yes, so I have finished one. <laughs> what about Xenoblade X? I haven't finished Xenoblade ah. X. I'm not sure anyone has finished <laughs> yeah, Xenoblade Yeah, can you really That's say? a big game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Stephanie was talking about it the other day in Slack, and she's like, yeah. I'm, she's like, I think, currently playing through it, and she's like at 270 hours or something, and she yeah. hasn't finished it yet. She she is one of the champions of that game, and but it is so much video game. It is. It really I'm, is. If you choose for it to be, I don't think it has to be, but I like the, I like the side stuff. The side stuff in that game, to me, is the game, so... Yep. As, as a Yakuza player, I understand. Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. So speaking of games I have not finished. Um, so I, I knew I knew early on when we were talking about elements, I wanted to try to bring on light uh, somehow. Um, it's and, you the know, paladin in you. It is the paladin in it me. It is. And of course, yeah, that is one of my thoughts was Final Fantasy IV. But I don't, I don't think that there's, you know, a good theme song or anything in that game that really fit that for me even if the the game and it has some moments that fit it um even though, even though there's a scene where a character literally turns in goes from darkness to light in a in a physical transformation yes yes i can't i'm i'm i can't remember what song plays there right right off hand it's not the red wings theme is it no it's it's, it's, the, <laughs> it's a very reflective <laughs> yeah i guess that could have worked <laughs> but i want to do something a little different um Plus, you know, I, I've been thinking about the, you know, the ring of elementals from Secret of Mana ever since we started mm-hmm. talking about this, mm-hmm. and um, which is why I wanted light as one of the you know non-standard elements, I guess. And I think I, I keep visualizing and thinking about that the elementals from that game because it just that game left a real big impression on me as a young Mike. And yes, I have finished the game. <laughs> uh, multiple times, actually, um, huh. and it might also be because we have like magnetic bead art of all eight of them on the side of our fridge, so we I do. see them every day. Oh, so bad, I know. Um, but yeah, so for me, I guess I shouldn't say for me because this is probably just how it is. But like, light is an element of purity and goodness. Um, so yes, I, I did think about my favorite paladins um, besides myself, I guess, in, in fourteen. Um, so my, my last two. I was, I was down between either Flame's Grace from Octopath Traveler, which has nothing to do with the Paladin, but it did have that sound. That, just that, like, light, peaceful, like, pure sound to it. Um, so I almost did that. Um, but I ended up going with this because I can't think of... Um, well, one, we haven't had enough remake music on here, but I also can't think of light or purity or that kind of thing without thinking of Aerith and the church. And it's just the visual of that i mean you know decades later like still like you know it's impossible to forget at least for me like it's the only thing like that in that entire area like Mm -hmm. it's the only light these flowers is the only thing like growing and um i think that's just that's a really good representation of that um because you know 
what else is there? Like as soon as you step out of that church, like it's just like all the other, all those other parts of around there in Midgard, it's like it's just dingy and dark, and it's like there's not, yeah, it's not a happy place, I guess. Um, but right there in that church with those flowers, yeah. So that's that's why I ended up going with this one. I think it works really well for that. And of course, the music, of course, like has that sound. All of my notes, by the way, were were that like it was setting up why I chose it and nothing about the song itself. But that's okay. You can all talk about that. <laughs> well, I think the piano is like maybe the instrument I would associate with light. Um, yeah. And I think it's really interesting that yeah, Aerith is pretty commonly associated with light. Um, and it's interesting as well that you focus on like the church aspect of it because, like I mentioned, like the light wrote down like the light cracking through the roof on top of the flowers mm -hmm. and the bit the cloud like opens his eyes and stuff like that but interestingly this song like carries through once you leave the church in remake and as you're going across the rooftops in sector eight um and like it's funny because i've written about this before but like Aerith for a long time was kind of misconstrued and mis like represented by a lot of people but also by square enix themselves um in like that she was just this very like quiet nice person and actually she's like this whole breadth of character um and like this song plays as you're running across the buildings and she's like being really cheerful and she's really bright and she has these delicate moments where she falls over and she's talking about really nice concepts she like shows off how beautiful she is she swears she teases cloud <laughs> she does all of these things and it's like she she is the, essentially Aerith is like the light of the party, right? Because obviously she's you know in the most literal sense of the word, she has the holy material in her hairband, and she's the person who's going to summon it. But also, at the same time, like she genuinely is the thing that brings everybody together. And like even in, we don't know where it's going to go with remake, obviously, but like in the original seven, like the minute she dies, like the group are like trying to pull themselves back together because they've kind of lost this light in their party, and it's Aerith, but. Like this version of flowers blooming in the church, like captures like everything about her and everything about light as well. Because I think like like light is such a beautiful pure element, but also light can be incredibly harsh and can and like create shadow as well, right? Like it's just, I think this song just really, really, really captures Aerith as a character really well, and I think it's a really interesting pick for this element as well. Um, but I think the piano and the gosh uh what what flute what wind instrument do we think is playing here because i'm not particularly great there's definitely violins as well in the background but there's just it, it's just very another like very not propulsive necessarily but it's like another skipping happy song kind of but i do like the way that it ends in particular like the last like 10 to 15 seconds where it slows down it's like here's this song about this girl who's like literally got the weight of the world gonna have the weight of the world on her shoulders um and it's this part that's like, well, this is this person that embodies light, but actually she's got a lot. She's carrying a lot. She's carrying a burden, which good people often do. Good people often carry a burden with them. So it sort of just encapsulates Aerith perfectly. And it's a really nice interpretation of the element, I think. Can I just say that I, I agree completely with you about like her representation, her characterization in the remake. And I think I actually might have cheered a little bit when she swore. I was just very. Yeah, I, I do too. I don't know. I just like that. It was like, all right, this is this is a good reminder of like, no, she's not what you might have thought she was. It's kind of like how over the years, Cloud gets misrepresented as just like you know broody and all the stuff that he really wasn't in the original game. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they really communicated it in later materials just how odd Cloud is. Yeah, and, uh, and 
um, because just like he he does some very silly things and just sort of reacts as a straight man in some ways that make him seem like, like he's definitely sort of stilted in his reactions, but people focused on the, the moody part of him a little too much, kind of like how I, I really hate uh, like FF7 compilation uh, representations of the church of the Turks as being almost yeah. like um, as almost being like three Stooges level silly when they weren't that at all in the uh, in original FF7. I, I thought the, that remake handled Re Reno and Rude pretty well, but mm -hmm. uh, but like with Advent Children did not. But anyway, back to Aerith. Uh, she definitely has a sunny personality, but was never like a sort of pure maiden of light. Exactly. Nope. Like she's like like she is. You know, you know, she is sort of not crass, but she's like just a little, you know, she's a little rough around the edges. And she has and we know that she had an ex-boyfriend and uh, and it, like that would never in a Japanese RPG, they would never add that detail about a pure maiden of light kind of character. So she is too. And so she is sort of like the light, the party's light and the party's most upbeat person. Um, and. It, it really does feel like a light being extinguished when she leaves on such on such tragic circumstances in original FF7. But the way that they handled her in remake, how she befriends Cloud and Tifa so quickly, where like I'm, I mean, when she meets Tifa, you almost are feeling like, oh no, are they gonna like get possessive and weird about Cloud? It's like no, she's like instant besties with Tifa in a way hmm. that is just that is just delightful, and that and and uh, how she is just sort of there to to help and just so positive relentlessly positive without being a caricature like her characterization in remake is awesome and may maybe I i'm my favorite Aerith moment in the remake is when she's it she's at a uh when she's in a boss battle later on and she identifies herself as local florist oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, 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 knows what i mean that that seems great uh -huh. um, but, Lab rat dog, <laughs> avalanche, local florist, Lab rat dog. It's, <laughs> I, I love that scene. <laughs> but the, um, uh, but yeah, her characterization in FF Seven Remake is awesome. This song is a beautiful version of a, of a classic, and that remake soundtrack. What is it? Something like 150 tracks, oh. seven discs. The amount of work that went into it is staggering. There's three albums just to cover <laughs> the, re the remake and integrate slash intermission. Like there's oh, an album with normal geez. songs, which is long. Then there's the plus album, which has all of the different variants that were missed off the original. And then you've got the integrate intermission one that has all the new tracks from the DLC. I think I've only really perused the first one, but I remember it being seven discs, which is, which is just, uh, uh, the, the point is an incredible amount of work and thought went into the remake and integrate soundtracks. That's, uh, it, it's an achievement on its own. And this is, this is a highlight. Yeah. I mean, you two just covered so much, but I, I think my real, my real takeaways from this song and kind of why it made me think of, of light is sort of like a, a sustaining healing quality. And you kind of, you definitely see that in Aerith's character, whether she's like the original version or as she's characterized super well in the remake, like you, you still see that she's sustaining the group. She's making friends. She's supporting people. But I think I also see that kind of in the instrumentation for this in remake, because you've got just some lovely piano, which I, if I'm not mistaken, the timbre of the piano is kind of a little bit more pure. Mm -hmm. There are fewer overtones, so that's kind of helps it seem light. Um, but then you also have that woodwind coming in. I think I was having a little trouble telling if it was a clarinet or an oboe, but I think it's a clarinet. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that lends a lot of just kind of warmth. So it really does kind of feel like that sunny 
church. Yeah, the, the old the old PS1 buzzy clarinet sound <laughs> from MIDI audio yep. is, 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 is pure FF7 to me. And actually uh, updating that with a live clarinet is... <laughs> Is, is is a welcome change, even, yes. even though like I like I love the weird buzzy old clarinet, but it's like don't don't keep that. Yeah, it would really work <laughs> in in remake. They managed to keep the honeybee in squeaky bits in. Like, <laughs> so, <laughs> can we do an entire episode that's just playing the honeybee in sequence from remake? Because oh. I. Yeah. That was maybe one of the most jaw-dropping scene of 2020 to me, and in the same year of Hades and 13 Sentinels and like yeah, because of like a dragon, Honeybee Inn stands out. Uh huh. Well, you got a karaoke episode potentially, <laughs> so you oh, know. Man. Oh man. Stand up. <laughs> oh boy, I, they I mean, they did stand up I, at the concert, and I was so excited. They did in London as well. Yeah, it was fantastic. So good. Yeah. Right. But back to flowers booming in the church. Yes. <laughs> um, I also think one thing is notable like this. If you take this melody and you change the instrumentation a little bit, you get something very different. And maybe something we think of as like less associated with the light element, which is Aerith's theme, which is dramatic and sad. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think another part of this I want to point out is the kind of underlying piano part really in this. Because that's the big difference between the two. And I think that really kind of lends something and makes it feel a little more affiliated with its element yeah. in this Definitely. version. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of versions of Aerith's theme in Remake Soundtrack. There's got to be at least five or six, and they all capture a different mood or a different element. And yeah, I think it's just how soft the piano is as well. Um, like, it almost sounds like she's picking the flowers or touching them to me whenever those piano um, notes hit. Um, so yeah, this is definitely the light version of it i would say i guess i picked okay then mm-hmm. you did all right so for our last block we have two more uh non-standard elements so so let's see uh what is our first one we're breaking the cycle of the uh secret of mana element wheel here um for my second choice i went with dragon element and any uh, Pokemon or Monster Hunter player knows where I'm coming from here. Mm-hmm. Uh, the track is the Silver Winged Star Valstrax from Monster Hunter Generations Ultimate. Good choice. And then Alana, you also have a non-standard one here. I do, yeah, with a maybe non-standard pick. So if you've listened to it and you don't have any idea where this plays, you're probably like, what? Um, so, I mean, if you know Castlevania, you can probably make an educated guess, but, um, my pick is for the element of time and my song is the tragic prince from Castlevania symphony of the night. I feel called out. (laughs) You are being called out, Mike. Uh, All right. All right. Well, at least, at least I, uh, I'm feeling it like legitimately. (laughs) All right. Let's go listen to silver wing star Valstrax and the tragic prince. It's dragon time.
So uh, the Silver Winged Star of Valstrax is uh, the theme song that plays for fights against, or uh, excuse me, hunts against Valstrax, the signature monster of Monster Hunter Generations Ultimate, which was the last 3DS Monster Hunter game that had a Wii, uh, excuse me, whoa, I'm getting my systems mixed up, that had a Switch port uh, a couple years later. So uh, if you're a if you if you own a Switch and want to play Monster Hunter on it, your best bets are either that or Monster Hunter Rise. Uh, both come recommended, but let's not get into that. Valstrax is a dragon that has wings that it that have dragon fire streaming out of the ends of the wings like a jet engine. It's it's it uh, it, it it and it has a sh- like it, it has a sort of a a shrieking dragon fire vibe to it. It uh, it flies through the sky like a comet and crashes down on hunters uh, in huge explosions. Uh, that and that that uh, the comet dive is a one hit kill a lot of the time. So you better you better get used to <laughs> to, to dodging or or, uh, or guarding against that. Um, and it's one of the end game challenges of Monster Hunter Generations Ultimate. Uh, but I want to talk about dragons in Monster Hunter a little bit. Um, dragons always there's a there's a mystery to them in Monster Hunter games. For most of the game, you're you know you, you're fighting monsters that are of the elements fire, ice, water, thunder. Uh, you have to you know prepare weapons and armor of different elements to to fight to hunt different monsters again preparation is as important as action when you're uh, when you're playing these games but when you start hunting dragons it's it, it changes because in, in monster hunter ecology dragons are disaster level ecological uh threats they're they are a cut above um other monsters that you've hunted before dragons are immune to traps they're immune to a lot of types of uh of, of explosions or, uh, or or statuses or elements. And, and you have to really go after their very specific, specific weaknesses with specific tactics. So like when you start hunting dragons, you're in the end game of a monster hunter game. And so, and, and dragon element is something that is also mysterious. It's, it's like some monsters have it. It's usually some kind of crackling red and black, half electricity, half fire, uh, very destructive, uh, kind of force. Usually, like every kind of armor is weak against dragon element until you start hunting endgame things, and maybe it's like, oh, this is the only dragon element strong thing I can possibly find. I better make some so I can have some defense against dragons. But like, like, so there's an there's an epicness and an intimidation about dragons in Monster Hunter that is feels different from the rest of the game. So dragon uh, battle themes are usually unusually, usually unusually w- weird. Uh, usually unusually epic. Like, like they, they feel like uh, like like this is something different than you've hunted before, and Valstrax's theme just is soaring choruses, uh, like like uh, just like an intense orchestra. There, there's a uh, there's a drop around the 120 or 130 mark that uh, that for some reason Monster Hunter soundtracks are unusually good at when there's a musical drop or a pause. Like everyone that's played these games knows this, that that like you could you suddenly have a have a huge hit or a huge play at those moments that that makes that makes it feel like the soundtrack's enhancing the gameplay. Uh, and, mm. and 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 hunting Valstrax, a monster that can, you know, that can dive on you and make the entire field explode and. And again, like use its its uh, use its wings like arms shooting jet engine fire, 
it, it's just one of the most epic encounters and with a with a with a soundtrack to match it in all of monster hunter and uh, it's re uh, there is a variant of valstrax called crimson glow valstrax in monster hunter rise that has an arrangement of the theme that that has more it has a little bit more percussion and slightly different instrumentation but i, I just went with the original to you know give us the the purest dragon element <laughs> that we could get for this episode <laughs> so he is it in Rise now? Why did I think it was coming in the expansion? Um, it was. Uh, it, it wasn't an original Rise. Uh, Rise had two uh, chunks of DLC added uh, a couple months later, and Valstrax was added in the DLC alongside some other dragons. Okay, because I remember when when that was either announced or it came out. Like you, you were talking to me. You're like, hey, so you want to see this dragon with like these like jet engines on its wings? <laughs> yeah, and it left yeah, an impression on me. I send I send messages like that to multiple people. It's like it's like, <laughs> yeah, yo, like, we're, I'm about to hunt some jet engine dragons. That was fantastic. <laughs> I, I I have a full Valstrax set in Rise now. Oh, that's awesome! <laughs> it's strong as hell. <laughs> it's a really cool pairing, actually, to put like a dragon, which you know is a really regal, noble creature. With a jet engine, which is militaristic, and I think like Solosa, you when you picked a monster hunter pick last time for the Lost Years episode at the beginning of twenty, or the winning of this year, I think, um, you picked something that also had like a march to it. So this doesn't necessarily have a march to it, but it definitely yeah, that, has that, a military. It, it, it was Basil Juice's theme, and yeah, uh, and and uh, and good old Bagel Zeus is kind of like a. It does have a militaristic element to it but it it, it uh, it's more like a bomber jet while Valstrax is more like a fighter jet yeah exactly this is definitely a lot faster and I think the real thing that sets it apart from the Bagel Zeus song um, <laughs> I don't I, it's, I was the reason I didn't say the name was because I couldn't remember the joke it's, and the real it's, name it, 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 so it, it, it's, it, it's Basil Juice but it's <laughs> uh, but you know I like calling it Bagel Zeus <laughs> yeah that's why I'm remembering the wrong one <laughs> you've poisoned me um, but yeah I think the real special part of this song is the choir and I think it like really bolsters that regality and that nobility of the dragon while also with you know, paired with this like really really cool design of this like creature um, and I think there is some light percussion in this version as well and it makes me think of like the jet engine's wings like stretching out and it flapping them slightly and it preparing to like fire down on you and the ground and yeah like I don't know like I don't remember Basil Juice's um having a choir or anything um but this is just very i don't i haven't heard a lot of choirs in monster hunter music but that's maybe just my my misinterpretation but um i did notice that drop as well part way through the song i thought it was really good i almost thought it was like a moment for you to act and then if you didn't act it's like the dragon's gonna right. fire on you basically like, you're so done. you've got like your you got your clutch moment there like you're gonna get bombed or you're gonna Bomb it, I suppose, in the nicest, in the nicest possible way you can in Monster Hunter. Like, yeah, good old noble regal bagel Zeus. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and and I think that's a really interesting thing about the idea of like dragon as an element. I think it's really more about the scale than anything else that really kind of like makes a dragon a dragon. You think of it as something large, something imposing, something that overpowering and and you might get that one moment, and that's it. So that's definitely what I noticed musically, too. I have a lot of notes about how you're just overpowered. You've got choir immediately. You've got rapid runs. You've got horns, which I think there's not much horn in our lineup so far. Mm -hmm. True. So, yeah, first possible first appearance for both of those things. Um, but, you know, dragons also kind of a little bit of a the suggestion that maybe they're 
unknowable. There's something you can't quite predict or understand, or they're ancient. It's usually something going on with them too. So yeah. yes, that, that is definitely <laughs> true of Monster Hunter Dragons. Like like a lot a lot of the time, uh, like the quest description will be like, "This is the first sighting of a Valstrax in in hundreds of years. Uh, we don't know what it's capable of. You need it." Blah 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 blah. And then you then you hunt literally dozens of them to try and get the armor. So it 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 it, <laughs> it, 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 it cheapens that a little bit, but they, but they really do try to to communicate that dragons are on another level of other monsters in the game for the most Absolutely. part. And uh, with, with, with a few exceptions, like the Akantors and Atalkaz of the world, uh, the, the end game of Monster Hunter is almost, is almost always dominated by dragons. Uh, and let's, I mean, let me talk about the composers a little bit. Like you want to talk, a lot of Capcom games have compositions by committee. There's usually a lead composer and then a list of like seven that have contributed to a given, to a given game. And that, that's true of like the uh, the Mega Man games from 30 years ago and a lot, all the Monster Hunter games. Uh, Ryo Urotani composed this one, but he's worked on multiple Monster, ga- Monster Hunter games and was never the lead composer for any of them. I think he also worked on Resident Evil 7 and 8. Uh, but uh, people like the, uh, oh shoot, Marika Suzuki wrote multiple tracks in Monster Hunter World and Rise, and she's the uh, lead composer for Mega Man 11. Uh, Yuko Komiyama did uh, a couple tracks in Monster Hunter World and she's been with Capcom like 20 years. It's uh, uh, there's it's a huge uh, uh, group of people that worked on this game and other Monster Hunter games, but uh, Reo Urotani just happens to be the composer for Valstrax. He did both the uh, um, this version from Generations Ultimate and the and the remix in Rise. But it, yeah, it's it's just trying to communicate a epic dangerous fighter plane of a dragon definitely not something you can say about um most games when talking about dragons yeah dragons are a a very unusual special thing in monster hunter and um just you know valstrax is sort of the signature dragon of this particular monster hunter game uh which is you know it's before monster hunter world so it's it's definitely old weird monster hunter with segmented zones and and a lot fewer conveniences for the player but if you want to play old Monster Hunter, Generations Ultimate is about as good as it gets. Nice. All right. Time. <laughs> I was thinking, how do you segue? Like, I don't know. I, I usually leave that to smarter people. Yeah, my pick is very weird. I understand like time and Castlevania are not like two things you would associate with each other. Um, but every castle in Castlevania has a clock tower. And this is the clock tower theme for symphony of the night so i was having i was just playing around with the music musical theme a little bit because there are lots of games with time travel in them and most of the picks that i would have chosen from those games had already been taken so i was rushing around to try and think like right what has a clock in its song what is used in an area what that uses time dark cloud was another one that came into my mind um a couple of Tales of games have a spirit of time. They do, yes. Yeah. You'd already picked a Tales song, though. <laughs> that's, <so>. that's right. <laughs> that's um, on me. Yeah, but yeah, I wanted to have a bit of fun, and I'm kind of surprised we've not had a console. We've not had a Symphony of the Night song for a while, and we've never had the Tragic Prince, which is surprising. Um, so tragic, I, even. it's very tragic. Yeah, is there? There's no princes here, though, so I can't really like give any credit. Other than that, but uh, he's he's the pod father, not a podcast prince, though. Oh, right. So there you go. Um, but yeah, I just one little factoid I wanted to drop in before I get into the song proper. Um, about a year or two ago, um, there was a, well, there is a Twitter account I should say called 142nd Video Game Music, and they post like 
two minute, 20 second clips of video game music. And what they do is they source the composer, they source the musicians where appropriate, um, and they tag them. And the guitarist on this track is Tark Fuji, who is a producer or was a producer and a sound designer at Konami. Um, he's probably most famous for doing that presentation at E3 back in 2010, like the really, the Konami one that they did. I think it's like the one and only time they had their own panel and there's probably a reason they haven't done one since then. But, um, you know, go check that out if you want to. Um, but yeah, um, they tagged Fuji in this post and Fuji responded um, and he revealed that he was embarrassed about this song because the guitar is out of tune for the entire song. Um, and I never really noticed it before, but I think it's a really interesting thing. And I think it really works well because I think the clock tower, like, simply the night's not a hard game, but I feel like the clock tower is always a bit of a difficulty spike in Castlevania games because um, there's a lot of moving. There's a lot of moving components, moving parts. There's always Medusa heads or bats. You'll turn into stone. I, I, yeah, Medusa heads knocking me out of the air onto a turning gear that, you know, uh, <laughs> that uh, conveyor belts me back to the bottom of the tower. That, that, that's, the, oh, that's, yes. that's the vibe of Castlevania Clock Towers, at least since Castlevania 3. Pretty much, yeah. Um, so there's always like a difficulty spike there and it always feels like a very important zone, I think, for its consistency and theming. And it's like, it's a very unusual part of the castle, right? And I really like Symphony of the Night's version of it. This song's really, really good. Um, it's very... I don't think you'd ever think about this as a, like a, um, a clock tower theme. There's not really any like ticking motif as such. Um, there is a pretty regular beat with the drum in the background, um, but I think the lead in this is that electric guitar, as out of tune as it is, like it makes you think in a way that like because it sounds really discordant or off chord, it feels like time is really running out. Like there's nothing you can do to control it, and the clock tower in Symphony of the Night connects to the final corridor where you go up to fight the quote unquote final boss depending on what ending you're going for um but it's very it's another track again that's very propulsive um so it feels like very 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 desperate um but yeah really just god i, I just love the guitar in this so much like even if it is out of tune i think it really does something to make it sound really really epic and i think up until this point i don't want to say that symphony of the night hasn't had any epic music apart from like the opening of the castle because Symphony of the Night soundtrack is one of my favorite soundtracks ever, but there's definitely like a particular mood that the rest of the rooms capture. And this is like this clock tower that's also like this really pain in the backside area to navigate and also like leading towards the potential final area of the game, depending on whether you like going up castles upside down or not. Um, oh, I do. Oh, yeah. I like that castle a lot, and I love how well it's designed for that as well. Um, but, yeah, like, th there's nothing like that jumps out at, is in terms of like time in this piece of music. But I think the location and the settings and the fact that that guitar perhaps makes it sound like something is very desperate and speeding up and very much time-based, I think it adds a bit of an interesting wrinkle. Um, it's definitely very epic for the era it plays in, I would say. So, I, I almost didn't have to listen to this track when I was preparing <laughs> no, I for the, yeah when I, when I was preparing for the podcast because it is I have had the Symphony of the Night uh, soundtrack on rotation for twenty years mm -hmm. <laughs> or, or thereabouts. Um, the Tragic Prince is one of the signature songs from Symphony of the Night. It has this this very you know uh, I, don't, I don't know this very sort of serious sounding strings and horns opening and then it just becomes this almost like like head banging rock song for most of the uh, for most of the rest of the song 
and it it it, it really is uh, them you know it, uh, them experimenting with Castlevania music for the first time ever. Like like the Castlevania songs have always sounded gothic, but were mostly just trying to be melody driven, catchy gothic toned pieces. But but uh, but in Symphony of the Night they play with mood and they play with. Uh, you know, uh, like like orchestra versus rock versus uh, versus small setting kind of instrumentation, and 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 this is just the uh, this is one this is a song that's just a straight up rock song, and <laughs> even if the guitar is out of tune, it is just it, it is so fun, and uh, and but like maybe it's the mistuned guitar, but it's like slightly harsh and slightly off in mm. a way that, that that makes this new part of the game dangerous because it, it's basically the uh, the ramparts part of the castle and the clock tower. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, and uh, and again, depending on where you are in the game, it, it's a uh, it's sort of on the way to a final boss ish confrontation. Mm-hmm. So it uh, again, like the, the, there's Medusa heads and bats and and uh, and and axe armors and uh, and like charging horsemen at you. It's yeah, I can hear the cho- I can hear the Valhalla horse knights. I can also hear those skeleton heads that their mouths like open and they're like teeth like oh yeah, they, chatter. They, they, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and and, and you're, you're, you've turned into your bat form and you're trying to get to the tallest tower, but there's Medusa heads and those skeletons yeah. and those and those skulls getting in your way. Uh, yeah. I like going into the bat because it looks like the bat wings are mm. batting in time, flapping in time with the drum. I think <laughs> that's it's really right. cute. Yeah. With Aww. my little pink cape, like peach, peach alicard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> D- depending on the color of your cape, it'll match the wings of the bat. So if you have the rainbow cape on, it can it, it, you can have you can have an, an iridescent or a purple or pink bat. That's that's pretty great. Um, but uh, God, Symphony of the Night is such a strange game, but it is just like feels so. It's wonderful. Like, it, 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 it's so wonderful and almost, and so important for the direction of the franchise that I, I can hardly believe it exists. Um, but but the, the Tragic Prince is, is awesome. Oh, yeah. I think what... Uh, to jump on the gothic thing very quickly, like, I think this song does still capture, like, the pathos of gothic music. Um, like, obviously, Alicord at this point is trying to figure out what's going on with his father or the castle because his father should be dead um and richter has gone missing so and i mean alicard is a tragic prince like you know his mother was crucified burnt to death and his father and him kind of hate each other and he's just woken up from a very i make this sound really casual but he's just woken up from a very long sleep and now he has to find out that his dad's like screwing around or someone's trying to resurrect his dad and yeah he's been through a lot let's put it that way um Time is not of the essence, let's just put it that way. Yeah, how many years is it between Trevor and Richter? Is it around 400 or so? Uh, Three or 400 sounds about right. It's 1700, right. I think 300, because I think Trevor is... 1400 and yeah, Richter yeah. is 1700. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, Tre- Trevor's before Simon and Richter's after Simon. But I don't yes. remember the exact interval. I'd have to check a timeline. But the uh, the Castlevania timeline gets weird. But, the um, Castlevania timeline is maybe as bad as the Zelda timeline. <laughs> Let's not go into that. Yeah, yeah. Good idea. But, <laughs> um, but y- y- yeah, like, like it, it is like like Symphony of the Night is such a celebration of what Castlevania is, and this and the soundtrack is deliberately staying true to Castlevania while while experimenting with Castlevania. M- Michiru Yamane is a genius. I love her. Yeah, I agree. And just coming in as someone who's maybe spent a bit less time playing Symphony of the Night than the rest of the panel, I, I noticed some kind of cool things musically. Like I, I definitely agree with 
what Alana was saying about the guitar. Something is kind of like off and kind of like panicked about it. And that could part of that could be the fact that it's out of tune, but it does kind of feel like maybe time's running out. And that combined with the way that like the um, guitar and the strings and other instruments swap parts, it, it yeah. sort of had this like weird, like, what is time? What is happening? <laughs> effect on me and I like the juxtaposition of you know like a modern instrument with I know the entire soundtrack kind of plays with that but for a time song that's that's kind of cool that's something I would want in a time song yeah Mm -hmm. I'm just glad I understand it now why it's a time song (laughs) I was just having fun like I said like time is time is one of the coolest elements and like it's true I could have done oh gosh there's a dungeon in Dark Cloud as I said um, that is literally plays with you stopping time and that's got a ticking clock in it but no i i saw that this was available and was like yeah do you know what symphony of the night is one of my favorite games one of my favorite soundtracks last fun yeah no it was a good choice i was definitely not expecting it so i I definitely approve man i forgot about that rainbow cloak it was a lot of fun. Is the rainbow <laughs> one the one you can customize the color, or is that something else? Yes, that, that okay. is the rainbow one. Oh my the, the, gosh, the, I spent way too much time doing that. I think it's the second best cloak in the game. The best one uh, fades between red and black, which is also yeah. a cool effect, but, but the rainbow cloak is the most fun. Oh yeah. Yeah, well, I miss like those like menus that you could change the colors of the gradients in the four corners, like in Seven. And- <laughs> All those PlayStation it, 1 games. Yeah, it's so it's so weird. This is a 97-98 game, and it has a, a cloak that you can program the colors of and loading screens that let you swirl around the text of. I love that. And, uh, and, and, and the weird political polygonal coffin that uh, that uh, you jump into for save points. There's, there's so many just weird ticks about Symphony of the Night that feel so cool that it, I... Uh, like, like, every Castlevania game since feels like it's chasing something. But it, but Symphony of the Night is so unique and great that it uh, it, it, it it's okay to chase it. But they'll they'll never replicate it. Oh yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I want to play again. I, I've played it like in a single day for Halloween multiple times in the past. Like I don't mm-hmm. do it like I don't do it every year, but I've done it. I don't know something like maybe four of the past ten years, and it's it's it, it's fun every. It, I'm fun and surprised again every time I play that. It's a good uh good habit. Or tradition, rather. Yeah. And I know the game so well that, it, that a lot of the challenge of it is gone for me personally. But <laughs> yeah. uh, but but that that just comes with playing a game ten times or however many times it's been. Mm-hmm. Do you try getting the the secret weapons and stuff every time? Not every weapon. Um, I usually go for a Crusagrim drop to make the last couple bosses mm-hmm. a little bit yep. easier. Yep. Yep. But uh, I I always go for the best ending. I I would feel wrong if I didn't. But I, I don't go for every crazy weapon or armor drop because that that's a lot of time. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I don't think I ever got all of them, but some of those definitely that sword. The very first time I played the game, I got a crusade a crusadegrim drop without trying. Just yeah, oh, oh, me and, too. Wow. And, and then, then every- that. And, and that just that opened my eyes super wide when I started messing <laughs> around with that thing. Right, you can move while attacking. Like really, that was like, yeah, yeah. yeah Al- Alucard shield and shield rod and Crusagrim are the two easiest ways to break that game, and it is fun every time. <laughs> oh yeah, that's wow. That's so lucky. Like I don't know offhand what the drop rate is, but I know it's not good for that thing. I think it's one out of one twenty-eight, but it's it's yeah. uh, it's it, it is it, it's it's rough. Yeah, it's just like Pooh's sword and Earthbound. Yep. You knew I was going to mention that, didn't you? I didn't know, but I knew that was one out of 128. <laughs> ah, yeah, I've done that one. <laughs> I think it's also the same as a great dragon in Dragon Quest V, which I have, which I have grinded for multiple times. <laughs> of course you have. Of course I have. <laughs> ah, all right. Well, 
There are our eight elements. We, we went off the beaten path a, a little bit there, go, switching from moonlight to dragon time. But uh, thank, <laughs> you, thank you so much for indulging me. Oh, no. I mean, I thought it was great. Like, I, I think originally we were going to be like, well, let's pick like four elements and pick two songs from each. But then you're the one that said like, well, why don't we do eight elements and go get a little weird with it? And it, I, it worked out really well. We have a great set. Yeah, we have a great set of hosts. I agree. Oh, you are too kind. You are a prince among men, Mike. <laughs> Hopefully, not a tragic one. Um. Anyway, so yeah, that's our episode. I think that was a good mix of stuff. So let us get to our closing, and then someone here has a bonus track, and I have no idea what it is, which is actually pretty exciting. Um. So our next couple episodes are a little bit in flux. I know. After this, we're doing an episode on cocktails and <laughs> games and cocktail pairings. And also, like this one, it's going to be an interesting uh, concept. Um, I don't know if anyone's picked songs yet, so I'm not sure what's going to lead to that. Um, Alana and Slosi, you are the reason that episode is happening. Because Chrono House <laughs> because is a pina colada or margarita. I can't remember yeah. which. I think it's a pina colada. <laughs> pina colada. Right. <laughs> So I imagine that might be one of the pairings, but as for the other, you know, five songs, don't know. So that'll be coming out in a couple of weeks. Um, in theory, we might be doing a, a an episode on the Final Fantasy Pixel Pixel Remasters after that, but it really depends on when Final Fantasy VI comes out. Oh. It's December twelfth, so I'm going to say it's not going to make this year. Um, so, but I imagine it will still be soon, and we want to make sure that we can represent all six. So. Um, that might be the one after that, or we'll do something else. Um, we'll have to wait and see. So that's, that's all I'm going to share for today. Um, if you like this episode, or if you have feedback, if you want to get in touch with us, you can email us at music at rpgfan.com. So let us know what you think. If you have ideas for topics or, you know, what your favorite element is, make sure you check out the episode track list on rpgfan.com. That will be in your show notes. And then there's a link to places to buy these albums or listen to them at least the ones that are still available. Um, and if you want to contact me specifically, um, for me, email is the best way. I'm Mike at RPGFan.com. And what's the best way for people to get in touch with you, Hillary? Um, I'm going to say Discord. I'm EP Fire there. Okay. And Alana. Uh, I am probably best to find on Twitter. I am at Alana Hagues there, or I'm Alana on Discord. Well, that's easy enough. And Salosi. Uh, for me, Twitter is probably the best way. I am at The Real Monsoon most of the time, at Evoker for Dogs other times, and on RPG Fans Discord, I am Monsoon Mike. And if you, I'm the, also the showrunner for the Retro Encounter podcast. If you want to um, contact me about Retro Encounter things, you can email retro at rpgfan.com. Hey, that saves me some time on my next part here. So, yes, uh, if you enjoyed this episode, please also check out our other podcasts. We have our general RPG podcast, Random Encounter. We have that comes out every alternating week with Rhythm Encounter on Mondays. And then every Thursday is Retro Encounter. And, I, and I'm and i still going to recommend listening to Phoenix Edge, even though Phoenix Edge hasn't had an episode lately. But I know they're getting back into it soon. So they're also an affiliate uh, podcast with us. So they put out a good podcast on YouTube. So hopefully by the time this comes out, they'll have another episode out. Um, if you enjoyed this episode, please listen or please uh, follow and subscribe and leave us a review and all of that stuff on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever it is you're listening. We appreciate that. So, all right, then now we're at the very end here. So Alana, you have a bonus track for us, right? I do. Yeah. Maybe one of the more obvious 
off elements is darkness that we didn't cover. So I wanted to do that. I toyed with ice as well because, you know, it's winter and this is the last episode of Rhythm Encounter in 2021. So I was like, oh, we can have a nice wintry song. But no, I decided to go with something sad. Um, So I picked a first for the show, uh, Stairway to Gehenna from The Legend of Heroes, Trails in the Sky, the third. Uh, this is a song that plays when you're in hell. Um, so essentially, um, a lot of stuff happens in Trails the third. Um, it's very much a character study on one particular character. Um, and it goes into a lot of their positions, a lot of their feelings, a lot of their grief throughout their life. And, the times this plays in particular that I remember really well is like it, it seems to really like capture like the real darkness and pain in this character's heart. Um and I, so I'm sort of again stretching the definition of darkness here, like I was stretching the definition of time a little bit or playing with the theme a little bit. But I think it works here because you literally are running through hell in this chapter and you are fighting off all of these like past memories of what this character's been through and what they've done and it's really sad and really really dark and Trail in the Sky the Third is a really really dark game um if you've ever played it if someone says Star Door 15 to you then somebody you you absolutely know where this place goes like Star Door 15 is shocking almost um but yeah it, it's a real good encapsulation of like darkness the it like captures the darkness of human hearts and it captures like the darkness and the pain that people feel when they've done bad things or when they're suffering and struggling so in a way i'm taking darkness as kind of a metaphor i suppose but also i think like it's a particularly difficult element kind of like light to capture um I think there's always something like broody and moody about it. Um, but this kind of captures like the sadness of it. So there you go. There's your first uh, Trails in the Sky, the third pick for the show. Um, and I hope everyone likes it as a bit of an introduction to this kind of very brilliant and very sad, and very interesting game. I, I have not played Trails third yet. I, I've played the first two and I've played a few of the Cold Steel games, but I have an idea of who this character might be. You do. And, I, and I am going to try and play Trails 3rd in 2022 in advance of the Crossbell uh, duology getting localized officially. So I am excited to hear this song and play that game maybe very soon. Like, I, like I'm thinking early 2022 for this one. So, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm going to look this up on YouTube right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm glad you found yet another element to add to our mix. So <laughs> I'm looking forward to listening to it as well. Good. So, all right. And yeah, I'm also really happy that we get to, you know, end end the year on a song from a game that we've never had on the show before. I'm sorry that it's a sad track, but I guess that's on brand for me. So there you go. Yeah, that's true. I mean, at the same at the <laughs> same time, it's also it's also kind of beautiful that the first and last episode of Rhythm Encounter for 2021 involved discussions of Bagel Zeus. So, you know, it balances out. There you I'm go. happy about that. <laughs> That's true. All right. So. All, the, all the elements are in balance. Yes. <laughs> yep. All right. Well, let's go listen to that. And, you know, thank you, everyone. for Thank you, all of you, for being here. And thank you, everyone, for listening. And we'll see you in 2022. Thanks for having us.
Alana, you're going to do your sound in one of these, right? <laughs> no. It has, it has to be when we're going into music, because if you do it when we come back, then I'm going to laugh my ass <laughs> off and won't be able to talk. So. Okay. And I need my ass. What? What? <laughs> <laughs> well, if I laughed go. it off. Jonah, yeah, isn't it right, right? No, it, it, it just took me an extra second to decode that. Yeah, all right. Don't put that one at the end. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't do that. Yes. <sighs> Outtake. I'm going to clip that one just for me then. <laughs>